The battle between Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford will be the biggest position battle of Auburn's fall camp. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby. And thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. The everydayers know that Daryl Dapridge is the man, the myth, the legend, and he's never wrong. No one has ever heard Daryl Dapridge be wrong once. And Daryl, today we're discussing the top five position battles that Auburn will have to deal with this fall camp. And I guess over the course of summer workouts, too, as much as you can compete in these position battles. But first things first, you got to look at the quarterback situation the biggest battle is for a quarterback Peyton Thorne Robbie Ashford the showdown between those two is the most important position battle this fall it is and and honestly Zach even if it wasn't I don't think it's um 50 50 going into the battle I mean even if let's just say for the sake of argument it was absolutely a dead heat and maybe it is that's just I just suspect that it's that it's maybe not but I could be wrong but let's just say it is a you know even if it was a battle that was one-sided okay. going in, by the nature of it being a player that is coming in from another school, from another conference, and it being the quarterback position, which is the most crucial, even if it wasn't, you know, pins and needles, so close, too close to call type battle, it is the most important because it is the quarterback position. And you can't win right. without having an elite quarterback or a good quarterback, in my opinion. And this is somebody that Hugh Freeze targeted. So, just by that, I don't want to say by default, but even if it wasn't a dead heat, and some suspect it is going into camp, it has to be the most important and the biggest position battle because of the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it's not a dead heat. If you had to put a per- uh, percentage on it, what would mm-hmm. it be? I would say 80-20 in favor of Peyton Thorne. Yeah, I was going to say 75-25, which is pretty interesting that we were that close without even talking about this. But I'd say 75-20, only because I feel like this is a guy that Hugh Freeze, I am not trying to besmudge or belittle or downplay Robbie Ashford, his accomplishments, his talents, his gifts. But I think when Hugh Freeze targets somebody, and all indications are he he passed on some quarterbacks and targeted Peyton Thorne, handpicked him. When you do that, you kind of sway the percentages of what the battle is and what the chances are going to win that job. It's not like he inherited Peyton Thorne. He went out and got Peyton Thorne. Not as a freshman, but as an yeah. established two-year starter from the Big Ten. When you handpick somebody, it's just like the basketball team. When Bruce Pearl goes and gets a two-guard, you think there's a competition for the two-guard between Denver Jones and Katie Johnson? I don't think so. I think he's handpicked. And, you know, he is identified, this is who I want, and that's what I think with Peyton Thorne. Yeah, yeah. How do you anticipate this battle going down? Because I do think the timeline is going to be interesting just because Peyton didn't go through spring and you need as many reps with the ones as possible. Is this going to be a situation where you see it kind of come together quicker than we have in previous quarterback battles at Auburn just because the reps are more scarce than they used to be? Oh, that's a great point. I do. I do think that. I think because the urgency is such that you want to get Peyton Thorne as many first-team reps and don't want to fool around and, and you know have him split yeah. snaps. Number two, 
all indications are he's a very smart, high intelligent, high IQ quarterback. Uh, you know, the, the the son of a coach, and so I think he's going to pick up quickly to what you freezes want to do. And then third, he has been here thankfully for what a month, a month and a half now. We've heard reports he's been throwing on the side yeah. with receivers running routes. He's establishing chemistry, building rapport. I think that'll shorten the timeline. I really do. I think it needs to, regardless of if it's Peyton or Robbie. I think the earlier you decide that, uh, the better. The better. All right, Auburn's next most important position battle is the task of finishing the offensive line. And so that is looking at the guards. We feel good about the tackles with transfers Dylan Wade and Gunnar Brain. We feel good about the center with Avery Jones coming in. It's, a t- it's the guard spots. And it's interesting because there are several guys that could play at these guard spots. This isn't just a Tate Johnson versus Connor Liu or a Jaden Muskrat versus a Jeremiah Wright. I, I think all four of those guys could play either guard spot, which does make this interesting. Yeah, I've got um, Jeremiah Wright penciled in starting. I, I think the battle is left. for one guard, one guard spot between four guys. Cam Stutz, oh. Tate Johnson, Connor Liu, and Muskrat Love. And um, if any, well, that's a song that really predates Jeremiah on the left, left guard. I do. I do. Okay, so this is all for the right guard. It's all for the right side. And I just, now, the great thing about that scenario is you can take whoever doesn't win the, the, the right side and let, you'll have a one and a two and then whoever's three in that scenario and move them over to the left side to be Jeremiah's backup. That That's sure. a, interchangeable. So to say we have four guards or five guards for two spots is a, a luxury Auburn hasn't had in a very long time. Good and point. So that's pretty sweet. And that's because, you know, people get injured and that kind of thing. So I like that. But yeah, I think there's one guard spot op- up for grabs. Yeah. And the intriguing part of that is one of those four guards that we just mentioned, Connor Lou's really a center. He's just so good that I think they want to put him on the field. Yeah. And then, you know, Muskrat was a tackle you know, at Tulsa. So I think they're also going to kind of be able to play other positions too. God forbid something happened to Avery or one of the tackles. I mean, once again, like the depth that has happened and like the, just what they've done with that position group is pretty crazy. It's pretty great. I looked out Miller too, the Juco transfer that I think somehow can plug and play in a backup tackler, backup guard spot. So mm-hmm. you've got some interchangeable spots along the offensive line that really yeah. makes for a little bit more depth for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they totally just flipped that um, position group. Now, unfortunately they're going to have to do it again next year, but still they're, uh, they're, they're taking a step in the right direction. So, all right. Our most important position battle is quarterback. That's not shocking. Second most important position battle is offensive guard. I'm putting both guards. You're saying right guard specifically. So I think some of that is uh, we're we're splitting hairs there. But now we've got to ask, who is going to be the center of Auburn's defense? And we will discuss that next right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And right now, if you're new to FanDuel, you can take your first swing betting at MLB or anything else happening at FanDuel and you can get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets. So up to $200. That's right. 20 bucks down and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, regardless of if you win 
or lose. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. Uh, so sign up today, fanduel.com slash locked on. That is $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and the Locked On Podcast Network. Daryl Dapper our guest on today's Locked On Auburn. We both have as our third most important position battle, linebacker. Who will be the man commanding the center of the Ron Roberts defense, Daryl? You know, it's so cool to sit there and think about, I have six names that are competing for that spot, right? I mean, I have Asante, who seems to be a forgotten man. Eugene Strong Asante. second half of spring. Yep. Yep. Austin Keys, Cam Riley, Robert Woodyard Jr., Larry Nixon the third, and Wesley Steiner. Uh, obviously, you know, you'll you'll put a couple of them on the field at the same time, but those are the six that I feel like have emerged. I think Nixon wins that job. I really, really like him. And I've had an opportunity since you and Charlie Five have done some podcasts where he's really talked up Larry yeah. Nixon to go back and just, you know, look at film. That's what's so wonderful about having portal guys because you can go back and look at game film from live games right from last year and um man i just i like him i like him a lot he's a ball hawk he's a, a very good tackler he closes so i think he is going to be the man in the middle and i think keys is going to play a significant role which would be kind of strange because steiner and riley were your dudes last year that played a lot i'm hoping as a as a as, a, as just kind of rooting for which i shouldn't do i, I should stay neutral in this scenario, but I really want to see Eugene Asante exceed, succeed and do well because of what he went through last year off the field and coming yeah. from North Carolina. I want to see this guy get some significant stats and make a contribution. So I'm, I'm holding out hope that he can. Me too. Me too. And you, you know, we, we say six linebackers and I don't know how many of those are legitimate, but like when you list them all, you can make the argument for all of them in some form or another. I think Steiner gets washed out. If I had to guess of the six, I think Steiner is probably the least likely to win substantial playing time. Seemed like they liked him early in spring and gave him chances, but I, I just, I don't see that. Did you say Demario Tolan? I did not. That's funny. Which is, which is interesting, right? I mean, I agree with you. That's a wild it, card there. Yeah, that's, that makes seven. I did not mention him and I could be falling into that trap because we haven't heard much coming from camp, coaches, notes, that kind of thing, mentioning his name. That could be by design. I look for things like that with clues, but he could be. I mean, he could. I could be totally underselling him, and he could be the seventh guy in the mix there. Teammates, his teammates don't really mention him either. I mean, I've asked several defenders at all three levels about like how the linebacker battle's looking, and nobody ever talks about DeMario. So I, I don't think it's just an us thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's why he kind of became forgot, like an afterthought to me. And I hope that's not the case. I, I mean, seven linebackers in this defense, in Ron Roberts' defense, you could get five or six playing significant snaps, especially early in the season with the heat and how it is down here. You, you could see a lot so of reps. We talked about this on Friday's show with Justin Ferguson. He, he said a similar thing. He thinks there's going to be four or five guys that play yeah, substantial I mean, stats at linebacker. I'm yep. just not buying that. That's a lot. I think that's a lot. And there's not that much separation is why I think there's not standouts. There's not yeah. three stud ponies, and then you've got three backups. They're all so close that why not? If there's not much of a drop-off or that much of a succession 
you know, then just go ahead and play five or six, get experience and get people, keep people fresh. Remember last year, people were absolutely trucking our linebackers because they were so tired. Yeah. And Harson had them running gassers on Fridays. So, I mean, that whole thing, you just, they were wore out. They were getting trucked and run right. over. Keep fresh legs and bodies. And you might see a whole different type. I, there's people haven't separated themselves. If they do, halfway through the year, you got two or three guys that are really emerging. Then don't do it. But until then, why not? I think Austin Key started to separate himself towards the end of spring. I think it's him and Larry Nixon. I think Nixon those are the will. first. Yeah. I think those are the first two guys that technically start. But the battle itself is for the market share of the snaps and. Yeah, it could be six or, or seven, but yeah, that's that's super interesting to me, and it's going to be a thing where we probably see a lot of them against uh, UMass. But how many do we see against Texas A&M a few weeks into the season? That I, I think that's going to be telling. Yeah, and if but that's the design is against the first three games, maybe see who kind of emerges or separates himself, and if but, but what if nobody doesn't? What if everybody that plays significant snaps, you run five out there playing equal snaps, and nobody really differentiates themselves, then what do you do? You you really can't go with two or three. I suspect Nixon and Keys will, especially Nixon. I think when you look at the stat sheet at the end of the Cal game, you're going to see Nixon have a ton of tackles, and he will be your dude going forward that you're really, really going to lean on. And then Keys and maybe Woodyard, some of those guys filling in from behind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you. If I had to go with my depth chart right now, just from one to six of those guys, we'll say seven. We'll put Tolan in here as well. Okay. I think I'm going Keys, Nixon, Riley, Asante, Woodyard, Steiner. Than Tolan. Okay. I would I, I would go with that, except I'd flip-flop Nixon and Keys. I'm that I'm that high okay. on. Yeah, All I right. have him one. I think maybe Woodyard slots up over over Riley. Maybe maybe they're interchangeable, but I do have Steiner and, and Tolan as the last two as well. And maybe Asante. Listen, if Eugene Asante could be third, like you listed him, that's that's significant for him because then he'll get some snaps and that'll be good. Yeah, that's a tough exercise. Let us know uh, either in the Locked at Auburn Discord or in the comments down below how you would set the pecking order for linebacker. It's tricky. That's a tricky, tricky position group. Uh, all right, so now who is going to spell Jarquez Hunter? The competition, the position battle for running back two is our fourth most interesting and important position battle that we're looking forward to seeing this fall. Jarquez Hunter is the starter. That's it. And we both believe he will start um, this season. As far as after that, it's kind of what you want. I think it'll be Damari Austin, but Brian Batty, um, he he's he's done it right. I mean, he's done it at you know not at an SEC level, but he's done it at the college football level and been effective. I just think Damari Austin made some real headway in the opinion of Hugh Freeze throughout spring practice. And I think so much so where after a day, he publicly was recruiting Damari Austin to stay on the roster and not enter the transfer portal. I think, uh, I think Damari Austin is going to end up doing enough to be kind of the number two back in this offense right now. 
I think you freeze was telling in the post in the a day uh, post game press conference about how he undersold Austin, but also that's before Jeremiah Cobb got to campus. I think once Jeremiah Cobb starts toting the mail a little bit in fall workouts and against UMass, he is going to see what everyone else sees. And in my opinion, at the end of the year, now it may not end up, it may not start out this way. I think Batty is going to be number two. And it's an Just important position battle. Yes, and it's an important position battle because most people say, well, if it's not for a starter, what does it matter? Well, running back two is very, very important in the SEC when you're talking about lugging carries and having a balanced running attack. It's almost as important as a starting position. Would you say Jarquez Hunter was a starter last year? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think right. Batty is two. I think Cobb starts out the season three, Austin four. Yeah. Wow. And and I think by the time we get to game nine, game 10, Cobb will be running back two. So I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. I'm totally cool with that. And I like that Bad T offers something different than all the other ones. And I think Cobb does too. He's a specialization back though. He can do so many different things out of the backfield and all sure. that. Yeah. He's unique that way. I'm with you. Yeah, and, and he's a gadget guy. I can play special teams, whatever. And then Jeremiah, I mean, we've seen him just be so effective catching the football at the high school level. You know, obviously has to translate. But with the narrative of, like, this running back room and talking about how deep it is, and it's like all four dudes can't have a big role. It's just you can't do it. You can make the case for three guys. You can't make the case for four guys. I don't yeah. think. Maybe you can. Maybe you want to try. But there's the default answer is Cobb is the dude who's left behind. And that's just wild to me. It's kind of crazy to think about because he's so stinking good. I think Hugh Freeze not having the opportunity to recruit Jeremiah Cobb. This was the previous staff that recruited and closed on him. I believe that it is going to be eye-opening for Hugh Freeze and company when Cobb steps on campus and starts running the ball in practice and against UMass and against Cal. I think it's just one of those situations where it's rare that a freshman running back has that kind of impact. But I look just across the state and across the city as far as high schools, and Judkins uh -huh. did that for Ole Miss. Cobb doesn't have to be that dude because of Jarquez Hunter. Judkins was, even though they thought the running back that was the transfer um, Zach Evans from TCU was going to carry more of the load. That's kind of what it looked like going in last year for Ole Miss and Judkins emerged. That's what I feel like Cobb's going to do. But he doesn't have to be running back one. You don't have to throw him to the wolves and to the fire. He's very, very comfortable easing him in with seven to ten carries a game. But I think by the time we get to, you know, what used to be called Amen Corner the last three games of the year, yeah. uh, Cobb will firmly establish himself as running back two. All right. There are multiple position battles happening elsewhere on offense as far as the receiving core. We discuss our opinions on that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. I want to encourage you to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. It is free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. I've had a lot of new members over the last two weeks. I think uh, how Twitter has been handled has impacted that some, but we're very close to 2,000 folks. We would love for you to help us get there and enjoy the conversation and Locked on Auburn Discord. The the fifth and final position battle that we're going to discuss today, wide receiver, and I think there's two parts to this. I think there's an outside battle. I think there's an inside battle. Daryl, let's start with the outside battle. I believe Camden Brown is one outside receiver. I think the battle opposite him 
is fascinating because you brought in Nick Marner, who's been through spring, but I think Jair Shorter and I think Shane Hooks are both better than him. I agree. I think you've. I think Brown is probably in for a little bit of a battle at that, at that outside one outside position. Could I, think be. He, yeah. he, I think he ultimately wins it. I think the slot position, which we'll talk about in a second, is pretty much, in my opinion, not a battle. I think that there's an incumbent. I think that's locked down. Okay. So I think that leaves, like you said, three guys on the other side with Mardner, uh, Shorter, and Hooks. And I just have a feeling that Hooks will emerge there in a tight, tight battle with Shorter. But of course, he can go to the other side and back up Cam Brown. You could put four wides on the field at the same time. There's a lot of things you can do. Right. But yeah, that that other opposite end uh, outside receiver position is going to be a definite intriguing battle. Yeah, like I love Nick Marner in the red zone. I think that makes sense. But as far as like starting a game, I put shorter slightly ahead of hooks. I like shorter stuff, assuming he's healthy and his legs are all checked out. I like the upside of shorter more than the upside of hooks. This is not me saying I don't like the upside of hooks. I like them right. both a lot. I just need to be very, very clear. But I'm a Jai, I'm team Jair shorter in this in this wide receiver room right now. I get too caught up sometimes and fall prey to when I've watched guys with my own eyeballs, kind of being biased and prejudiced. Yeah. I haven't had an opportunity to see shorter play live. I've seen hooks play live twice. And I couldn't take my eyes off of him. Uh-huh. I mean, I was calling the game. Did he have you hooked? He had me hooked. He had me hooked. Hook line and sinker, brother. But I just watched him, and I kept saying, God, that dude can play at the next level. That guy can play at the next level. And he just made yeah. catches. And it was just – I just, you know, again, that's that's probably a that's probably some false security there because I saw him live and I didn't see Shorter. That's when cool. I've seen Shorter in his – you know, on tape, it's electric limited action because of his injuries last year. He's just a touchdown machine. I mean, his, he's catching his, touchdowns and I'm catching feelings. There you go. You know Man, what I'm saying? On, you're on fire. Yeah. His touchdown right. to games played ratio is pretty amazing. Yeah. And receptions. Like, it's, yeah. It's I mean, it's, a, it's insane. You, you get him in the red zone with Mardner and Fairweather and Cam Brown and just start throwing it up to the big boys. It is going to be fun, fun, fun. And that's right. I just, you know, that's that's another, I don't know, little variation of what kind of offense you can run if you're play action. If, if everyone starts to stack the box and thinks Hunter or Betty is going to carry the ball and you just loft it in the corner, we're going to have some easy pitch and catches. And I yep. love it. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, let's just line up and be bigger like than you. You can't go wrong with either one. I just, again, I, I know more about Hooks having seen him play, and I thought he was dynamic. At that yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at slot, you said that you don't really think it's a competition, and, and I agree with you. Javaris Johnson will be the starting yeah. slot. I think he's going to have a big year, too. I think he's going to have a big – I just have a really could. good feeling having a big year. Yeah. He could. He certainly could. Uh, I, I think the opportunity will be there for him. He's got to go take advantage of it. i tell you specifically why – let me tell you why I think that real quick, just from an X's and O standpoint. Go ahead. I think Fairweather up the scene is going to bring a lot of traffic and a lot of bodies with him because of how big and dynamic he is as a tight yeah. end that can run, you know, that prototypical Hugh Freeze tight end. And when you run hash mark to hash mark that way, you bring traffic with you. I see Johnson running routes right behind that, little digs, little hooks, yeah. where he should have a lot of open grass to catch and run. 
because Fairweather is going to be bringing safeties and stuff with him up the slot through the seam. And I think you Freeze is in Phil Montgomery is just sneaky enough to design some plays on the backside of that. And Johnson's going to really benefit from that. I'm with you. I'm with you. I do think it'll be interesting to see if other slot receivers step up where they feel comfortable. You know, you talk about running four wide or, you know, can they put two slot guys on the field at the same time? Or what happens if Javaris Johnson, because he's missed some time due to various things. Let's just be, you know, let's just kind of call a spade a spade. Like, can Coy Moore impress enough to win some of the market share of snaps? Like we were talking about with linebacker. It's like, okay, well, more than one slot receiver is going to play. What's that percentage going to look like? Can Coy Moore kind of solidify more of that? What about Caleb Burton, the Ohio yeah. State kid? Like his his high school tape is crazy, right? We, he didn't play at Ohio State, but clearly they're doing something right with receivers there. Like, is he going to bring some of that with him? You know, did he pick up anything watching all these first round draft picks? Like, probably didn't hurt Daryl. And so, what what does it look like with him kind of busting on the scenes this fall camp? I do think Javaris Johnson is a starter at slot. But how those other guys compete and perform, they may get more reps than some people are thinking. Well, that's the thing. I, I do believe Moore and Burton will get significant reps. They just won't. I, you know, we're talking about position battles. Or you're assuming starter sure. with that scenario. But I do. I agree. I think Coy Moore will get more targets than he'd had last year. Okay. He may get more targets this year than he did last year and not even start. Same with Burton. If he can catch on. Um Nice problem to have. You start completing passes outside, down the field with Brown, Shorter, and Hooks, mm. and then really watch the middle of the field and how that's going to – it's just going to be different for Auburn fans. Buckle up because yeah. you're going to see route running different than you've seen it for a very long time. That's what we need. That's what we need. Daryl, uh, how can people check out everything you've got going on? Follow me on Twitter, DAP6410. You can see that below. Uh, I'm in the Discord. I love chatting it up with the Discord. And then uh, 710 yeah. on Monday mornings. Good morning, Auburn Opelika. Yep. You can follow me on socials at Z Black. We read all of our written work at auburndaily.com. And we will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.